Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. The Bible reading for today is from Ephesians 6, verse 10, until the end of the chapter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. All right. And there's a few gaps. So can the back row become the second to back row? And while they're doing that, turn to the person next to you and say, you're a weapon. Awesome. Um, so tonight we're, we're at the end of our quest through the book of Ephesians and we're in the last little bit of chapter 6 and um, what's happened up until this point is Paul has reminded the church of the gospel and then he's told them what to do with it. He's told them that they have been taken from death to life that those who were far away from God have been drawn near, that those who were alienated from God have been adopted into his family, that those who were in darkness, he uses the words, you were darkness, have been made light, have been made children of light. He talks about how in faith we grow from being immature to mature 
and that from the disorder of the world, he brings order. And so he's given them all this teaching, all this stuff to do. But he finishes with this little section. And when I was a kid growing up, this was one of my favorite things in the Bible, the armor of God. And I remember in like Sunday school, probably when I was about seven or eight, I was bitterly disappointed to find out that I wouldn't actually get a set of armor. I thought at some point as a Christian that we would actually get given this special suit of Christian armor that we would physically put on. And I used to love stories of, you know, knights fighting dragons and wars and every stick that I found was a sword. And I used to just like whack everything because it was some kind of baddie. So, you know, I was pretty into this idea that that I was going to get this special armor. But to my disappointment, it wasn't physical. But as I've, I guess, learnt over my Christian journey and as I've walked with God, I've seen that we have been given this armor. We've been given these defences by God and we've been given these weapons by God. And Paul finishes the letter of Ephesians, I think, with this because everything that comes before, all of the practical stuff, walking in unity, in maturity, in new life, becoming part of this new temple, becoming part of the family of God, we can't do it all unless we know how to fight and unless we know how to fight together. And so Paul finishes with this amazing picture of this armour and these weapons that Christians have been given. And some of you might have kind of as we've gone through the book of Ephesians found yourself being encouraged, empowered. Maybe you're feeling reassured and secure in your faith. But maybe there's others of you that are not feeling like that. That you're feeling that there is a wrestle going on in your mind, that there is a battle, that you're under attack. And Paul addresses this reality here at the end of, the, of Ephesians, that there is a battle. And what he starts by saying to them is, this battle is not against flesh and blood. And we could probably spend a whole sermon just on that. And to the Ephesian church, this would have been quite an interesting idea because the city of Ephesus, in the sort of hundred or so years prior to them receiving this letter, had been involved in over 50 like major battles. Their city had been conquered. It had been taken over and reconquered. It had been destroyed. That had major buildings knocked down. That had massacres. That had been pillaged. They knew what warfare was. They knew what fighting was. And yet Paul starts by saying, you're in a battle, but it's not against flesh and blood. And they would have been like, what? Yes, it is. We've seen it. We're in it. But he's like, no, 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 no. There's something more going on here. There's something that is beyond you. And so tonight we're going to lift our eyes a bit. And we're not going to look at the battles that we might face in flesh and blood. But we're going to look at the war that's going on. The war that our Jesus has won. 
And we start there because that's important to remember that Jesus has won on the cross when he bled and when he died and in his resurrection, he has taken us from death to life. He won the victory. So he says, the battle that we fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, this is the third time in the book of Ephesians that Paul has used this phrase, heavenly places. He uses it in chapter one. Does anyone remember the context that he used that in then? You got it? You're thinking something up. That was great. That was very good. In chapter one, Paul says, you have received spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So what he says is, as a child of God, you have an inheritance, you have a blessing. It's not physical, it's spiritual, it's eternal. So he's, he's talking about the heavenly places as this place where we as Christians have received something good. Then in chapter three, Paul says that God, in his manifold wisdom, brought together the Jews and the Gentiles into church, into harmony, into togetherness, into a family together, and that that is a witness to the heavenly places about how good God is and about his plan. And then this is the third time he mentions this phrase, heavenly places. He doesn't use it in other letters. So he's talking, he's, he's obviously captured this thing that he really wants to impress upon them. So he talks about it three times, right at the start of the book or the letter, right at the end of the letter. So he's saying, this isn't just about what you see, this is about something that is different. This is about something that is beyond you. And it's a place where Jesus reigns and rules and has won. In the past, I, I've been very involved in speaking at um, kids' camps, at a campsite. And every school holidays, um, for a number of years, I would go and speak at these camps. And it was like a camp where they'd gather kind of kids from all over the place. Um, lots of like church kids would come, but also a really high proportion of kids in um, the uh, care of the minister, so foster kids and things like that. And they would come together for these kind of weeks of organized chaos. Um, but it was in a Christian camp. And during those weeks, they would hear the gospel. And for so many kids, that was an absolute turning point in their life where they realized that they weren't abandoned, that there was a God who made them for a, for a purpose and that who loved them. And I remember I was speaking on one of these camps and throughout the week, generally I had a, a pretty stand, easy formula of I would just talk about creation, I'll talk about fall, I'll talk about the law and then I'll talk about Jesus on the cross and then I'll talk about how we live as Christians. And it was probably about the third or fourth day, so I was about to the next morning talk about Jesus, what he did, how he saved them. And so in that night, 
was probably the the most intense night that I think I've experienced. And I'm not normally, I'm not a particularly anxious or worried or fearful person. But I remember waking up pitch black and I had this incredible sense of dread and a constriction in my chest and it felt like there was something else in the room. And there was this, almost this sense of accusation coming against me. Like, who are you? can't talk about Jesus. Don't tell these kids about Jesus. They don't, they don't need to know it. They don't want to know it. Water down what you're saying. Oh, you're too sick. Just stay in bed. And so I was kind of freaking out a bit. <laughs> and then I remembered probably something from youth group or Sunday school that if you ever feel like something like that, you should probably just pray. So I did. I didn't really know what to pray, but I just prayed, Jesus, help. And I'd opened up my Bible and just was like, oh, just trying to remember different Bible verses and things to read. And this kind of went on, this wrestle for the whole night. And I got up in the morning and I felt absolutely wrecked. Mentally, physically, just spiritually, just just yuck. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do anything. And so I went into the, the session to talk to these kids about Jesus. Probably just read what I'd prepared. I felt I've got nothing to give here. So God, if something's going to happen, you're going to have to do it. And young people, for the first time, came to know Jesus that day. And that's not because of me. <laughs> that's because of him. And I think... God allowed that to happen to me so that one, my dependence would not be on myself, but it would be on him. And second, to maybe give me a glimpse of the reality of what Jesus defeated on the cross. He didn't, he didn't defeat Satan because Satan's a bit of a baddie. He crushed the devil because he's the enemy of our souls. He's the accuser. He's the one who stands and says, you're no good. You're not worth it. God wouldn't love you. And Jesus says, well, actually, I do. And you might think, well, that's just, you know, some weird experience you had. That's super spiritual. That's ridiculous. But I believe that it was true. And I felt this absolute wrestle. And I can tell that some of you in this room have probably experienced something like that as well. Because the enemy we fight is not flesh and blood. And the weapons that we use are not physical. And I think one of the lies that the devil tells people and tries to convince the church is that he's not real and that he's not working and that he's not really good at what he does. He's been lying for, depending on how old you think the earth is, a very long time. He knows how to get at the church. But Jesus always wins. On the cross, in resurrection, Jesus defeated the devil. In 1 John 3 verse 8 
It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In Colossians 2.15, it says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So while, yes, there is a battle, the war is won. The war is won. The devil cannot separate you from the love of Christ. He will try to convince you that he can. And sometimes we believe that lie. But he cannot. He cannot separate you. But he's a liar. And he lies. And he attacks the church. And so we need to know how to defend ourselves. And so Paul paints this picture. He grabs an image that they know well, a suit of Roman armor, and he points out these different elements and says, this is how you are defended. Okay, these are the things that you can, that you've been given to protect yourself. So the first thing. He gives us, can you put the picture? It's, it's really good. I think I found that on clip art. Um, and I can give you the link if you want it. But it's actually helpful. I think it's mostly accurate. So he goes through these five defensive elements, these five things that we've been given. First, we fasten the belt of truth. Now, the belt is not like what we would think of a belt, like a, just a leather thing to hold up your trousers. That's not what the belt was in the armour. You can see the kind of like dangly brass bits at the front. So that's what he's talking about. It's like a piece of armour that protects your thighs and your vulnerable bits. And, um, and the soldier needed that because if, if a, a sword or a spear or an arrow gets through and hits his thigh and he's not defended there, he's going to bleed to death. And if he gets hit in, you know, the groin, I feel like I'm teaching year nine again. <laughs> he's not, but like if he gets hit there, he's not going to be able to reproduce, right? He's, he's, he's not going to be able to do that. And the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of who you are in him, adopted, chosen, loved, that truth protects us where we're vulnerable, I've not met a Christian who has serious questions about who they are in Christ who is a reproducing Christian. Did you get that? So our, our call as Christians is to know God and to make him known. We reproduce his work in our lives so that others would come to know him as father. If we don't know the truth of who he is, and we don't know the truth of who we are, we will not be reproductive. So we need the truth to protect that. You following me? Still giggling, but we're okay. The truth protects our identity. 
It lets us know that we are secure, that we are a child of God, that nothing can separate us from his love. And the truth of who Jesus is gives us a picture of his holiness, of his love, of his greatness that we grab hold of and that we want to share. If you have a distorted view of your father, you won't want people to know him. So you need to know who he is. We'll get to how in a minute. The next thing is the the breastplate of righteousness. So the breastplate is the, the bit. Can I have the picture back up? Just leave it. It's good. Um, so that guards the like your chest, your heart, your lungs, your organs, all the bits that you need. So it guards your heart. And it's the breastplate of righteousness. Now, as Christians, what are we called to do with righteousness? Starts with P. Pursue. Pursue righteousness. Now, the pursuit of righteousness will do something to your heart. It will make it soft. If you don't pursue righteousness, your heart will grow hard because you think, I don't need Christ. I'm sufficient. I'll sort this out and your heart's going to grow hard. Now, there's kind of this interesting thing here where if your heart is soft, it needs to be protected. And as we pursue righteousness, righteousness protects us. But if our heart is hard and we don't think we need God and we don't think we need to live according to his ways, then we're actually open to attack. So a soft heart is protected by righteousness, but a hard heart is actually open to attack. The next thing is shoes. I reckon he would fit in at Hills with those shoes. Someone at Verdun was asking me, actually. He said, at what point, like how long do you have to go to Allgate PM to wake up one morning and roll out of bed and put your feet on the floor and suddenly they're just in a pair of Birkenstocks? (laughs) He's like, when does that happen? Because it hasn't happened to you yet. And I assume it will. I'm waiting. (laughs) Apparently they're comfy, so I don't know. But so you guys should connect with this. So Roman soldiers, they wore, <laughs> they wore these leather sandals. And they had three parts. They had uh, a bottom sole that was filled with what they called hobnails, which is like pieces of like hard metal and nails and things that they kind of hammered into it to protect the bottom of their foot so that they could walk over really difficult terrain. Because the Roman army was, they were a very efficient army. They were sort of, they started in Rome, in Italy, and they went all the way down to India and in England and Africa, they kind of went everywhere. And they had these shoes that enabled them to go everywhere. Um, And so this image that Paul is using, he's contrasting. So he's saying the soldier goes everywhere with these shoes that allow him to be ready for war. But you go everywhere in these shoes that bring peace. The peace of God brings a readiness in your life and a stillness in your life that enables you to be bold, to be courageous. God's peace enables us and readies us to do his work. So he's using this picture of of a sandal that can go everywhere, can walk on easy ground, but it can also walk through hard things. 
on uneven terrain, through deserts, through streams, whatever. And Paul's saying, like that Roman with his sandals, you've been equipped with peace, you've been given the gospel, and you can take that everywhere and anywhere. Because that's what God does through you. And then the next one is the shield of faith. And uh, what the Romans would do with their shields is they would fight not as like an individual soldier, but they would be in these long ranks that had their shields up and they'd be interlocking with each other. And what faith does when we stand together is it becomes stronger. It's hard sometimes when we're on our own and we're in the thick of it and we're going through hard things and life is just throwing stuff at us. It's hard to stay faithful. It's hard to keep your defences up when you are on your own. Soldiers are not meant to fight on their own. And Paul's saying, like those Roman soldiers with their shields and they lock them together, so that if there's, a, you know, a hail of arrows coming, they will lock them and duck and hold their shields up and they kind of move as one and it protects them. And if the one, the person next to you starts struggling, you can help support them and you can get your shield across in front of them if you need to. And what faith does in a community is when one person does not feel, feel faithful, when one person doesn't feel like I just don't, you know, they might be like, I just don't think God can actually break through this situation for me. I don't think God can change this. I don't think God will fix what's going on. We can stand together as brothers and sisters in Christ and say, well, you might not feel like that, but I'm going to have faith for you. And I'm going to have faith with you. And what the Roman soldiers would do is they would use their shields, not just as a defensive thing, but they would actually start to walk Forward, And as enemies came against them, they would hold them up and they would move forward. So what faith does in a community is when it's aligned and when we're believing together for the things of God, then we can move together. Are you hearing this? So this picture he's painting isn't this thing where, oh, yep, you all get to be little soldiers running around on your own. No, you are called to be a family, a community that is armed together, that is fighting together, that is defending together. And then the last thing that he kind of points out in these defensive things is the helmet of salvation. And it sits on your head. I've actually got a helmet there. Does someone want to put it on? Liam, come on up. Okay, I hope this works. Yeah, just grab it, I guess. Put it on. Come on. Woo! That's good. Can you, like, give us a little walk? Yep, good. Well done. Thank you, Liam. That's very good. It's not a Roman helmet, so I left it over there. But that's okay. That's good. But what the helmet does... It's funny, right? So the guy who gave me that suit of armor, he was like, like, here's this armor, you can like use it as a prop, but it's really fragile, so don't move it. I was like, is that 
This doesn't sound like very good armor, but anyway. Um, but what the helmet does, what salvation does is it protects our minds. Because it says, I've put my faith in Jesus. I know who I belong to. I know that I am saved. I know that I am redeemed. So when the enemy's lies come at your mind and try to tell you that you are not enough, that you are no good, that you're better off dead, salvation says, well, yeah, I'm not good enough, but my Jesus is. And he's done it for me. And he loves me. And he's saved me. The truth of salvation protects us. You are loved. Jesus loves you. You have a heavenly father that loves you. So these are our defenses. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. But we're not just given defenses to stand there and weather a storm. We're actually given weapons to fight back. So Paul says, in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I bought a prop, another one. I got this sword. It's a big one. And uh, my friend James from Verdun gave me this, to, not to keep, although maybe. But uh, when I was a kid and I was hearing about the armour of God, I was kind of like, yeah, the armour's cool, but this is what I was excited about. This sword. This is Aragorn's sword from All the Rings. So it's a kingly sword. It's a good weapon. Um, it's just a prop. but And also this week. So I've had it for this week. I've been like babysitting it. There's actually a few times, if I'm honest, when Jasmine wasn't home when I was actually practicing some moves. But I'm not going to show you them here because I'm worried I'm going to hit someone. But the sword of the Spirit is the weapon that we've been given. And it's the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12, it says, The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So my you know, eight-year-old self really wanted a sword, but... It what the Bible's saying is, well, the, the word is even better. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The very word of Scripture is the weapon that we wield. That's what enables us to fight. Because, it, because what that does is when the enemy says that you are alone... And when you hear that lie that says you are alone, you can say, well, I know. Because in Matthew, Jesus said, I'll be with you until the end of the age. And in Deuteronomy, God says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. And when the enemy says you are abandoned, you can say, well, I know. Because in Ephesians, it says that God predestined me for adoption as his son. And when the enemy says you are unable to withstand temptation, you can say, well, by the grace of God, I will not be tempted beyond what I can bear. And when he says, you're as good as dead, you can say, but God, being rich in mercy, has made me alive together with Christ Jesus. So when you know the word, 
you know how to respond. And we see this in um, in the book of John and in Luke. When Jesus is tempted, he responds to the enemy with Scripture. He responds with the Old Testament. He responds with the truth of who he is. The devil's a liar. And he will do things. This is what he did to Eve in the garden. He said, did God really say that you cannot eat from the tree? Did God really say that you're loved? Did God really say that you're saved? Did God really say that you're his child? And you can answer, yes, he did. Now, a soldier, when they prepare for war, they don't pick up a sword and walk into battle holding their sword for the very first time, do they? So there's this picture in this metaphor that Paul's using around armor of discipline, which I know we don't really like that word very much anymore, but discipline and of perseverance and of training and of, and of equipping. A soldier didn't pick up a sword and learn it by themselves either. They were taught. They were encouraged. They were shown how to use it and how not to use it. And so it's so important that as a community, we are people of the word, that we read the word, that we wrestle with the word, that we talk about it together, that we really seek to understand it. So that when the enemy comes and he says, did God really say, you can say with confidence, yes. And the second weapon that we wield is prayer. When it says here to pray in the spirit, it means to pray in accordance with how we've been taught by Christ. To pray in humility, in the posture of the Ephesian church that Paul was encouraging them to, in humility, in gentleness, in patience, in forbearance. To pray in courage, in an assurance that we have a Father who hears, we have a Saviour who advocates, and we have a Spirit who is with us at all times. So we're called to be a people of the Word and a people of prayer. And they are the things that fight back against the enemy. And it sounds basic because it's probably one of the first things you heard in Sunday school. Read your Bible and pray. And I remember as a, as a teenager hearing that and going, yeah, okay, but like surely there's something more that I could do. Or like, oh, no, reading my Bible's a bit too hard. But that's what we're asked to do. And that is what equips us to fight. So, Put on the armor of God so that you can stand firm, not faltering. But also knowing that it's not an individual effort, it's not an individual battle. It's a battle that our Jesus has won and that we are fighting together. So believe in the truth of who Jesus is, that he is the son of God who came to earth to live a perfect life and who died on the cross in your place because we couldn't earn our own righteousness. So he became righteousness for us. And then he was resurrected and allowed us to walk with him in new life and to know our heavenly father. So believe, first of all, that that is who Jesus is. 
and what he says about you. And we've been going through this in Ephesians. It's very clear what God says about us in the word. We are brought into family. We are an heir. We are someone who inherits from a good father. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are loved. And we're protected. Pursue righteousness. Keep your heart soft as you pursue God. Walk in peace, knowing the gospel, knowing that the gospel brings peace because the gospel ultimately is about peace between man and God. Wield faith together as a shield. And if you are here tonight and you're feeling like, well, I don't have a lot of faith for the things that are going on in my life right now, then ask someone to pray and tell people so that they can have faith for you and faith with you so that you're not just fighting by yourself over and over and over and over and over again. Because who knows that that is futile? Yeah? Yes. We know that that is futile. So wield faith together. Put on the helmet of salvation. Preach to yourself. Remind yourself that my Jesus has saved me. He is my Lord. I live for him and I can be confident in that. And learn to wield your weapons well. Read the word. Wrestle with it. Let it inform the way you see the world. Let it inform the way you see God and let it inform the way you see yourself. And pray. If you're here tonight and you feel like that story I told at the start and you're like, oh man, yep, that sounds familiar. Then please don't go tonight without having someone stand with you and pray for you. We've got some of our elders here, Karen and Kay, and I'll be um, in the back corner as well afterwards. And if you would like prayer in that space, then come and we will pray with you and we will believe with you. If you feel like tonight, look, I don't even, I don't even know how to put any of these bits of armor on. I don't even really know what you're talking about. <laughs> then I pray that Jesus would make himself known to you. And as a community, we gather because we believe in the risen Jesus and that he is the only thing that gives us life and hope and meaning. So if you're here tonight and you feel like you are without life and without hope and without meaning, then come and talk to someone and we will pray for you and we will believe with you that Christ will give you those things. I'll get Caleb and Kiralee to come up as we close. So the point is tonight that we are, we are in a war. It's a war that Jesus has won, but it is ongoing until he comes back and he deals with the devil once and for all, and he will. It says that in the word. But it's a battle that we're called to fight and to stand firm in and to stand together in.
Let's pray. Stand up and we'll pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you so much that you have called us your children. Lord, thank you that our identity is secure in you. And Lord, I pray tonight that anyone who is unsure of their place, anyone who's maybe struggling with feeling like they just don't know where they belong, if it's with you, and if it is, how does that even work? Lord, I just pray that you would bring to them an assurance, a deep assurance that you are good, that you are for them, that you love them. Holy Spirit, maybe may we be aware of you here tonight. Jesus, you have won the battle. You have won the victory. You have won the war for our souls. Help us to see, Lord, that the battle that we fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against our circumstances. It's not against our illnesses. It's not against our family drama. It's not against any of that. But the, fa- the battle that we fight is against the enemy who lies, who deceives, but who is defeated. And thank you so much that you did what we couldn't do and you defeated death on the cross. Lord Jesus, just pray that you would um, land your words in our heart tonight, that we would know your truth and that we would learn to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would like prayer, um, these guys are going to play a a song or two. um, And while that's going, then you can make your way just to the back corner where we'll have some people who um, are ready and willing and wanting to pray for you. And it can be about stuff that, we talked about tonight, or it can be about anything that's going on because we believe that our God hears our prayers, that He is close and that He cares. So as we sing, if you want to do that, then, then please do. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, You can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.